Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Blast. The new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals is an unknown quantity. Many casual sports fans are still struggling to learn his name. And most of the attention from Monty Ford's debut press conference revolved around the statement that ego will not be tolerated in the organization. It sounded a little heavy-handed, like the sign you see in your local tavern, the one that says floggings will continue until morale improves. Now, Ford surely didn't mean it that way. It sounded like something his boss wanted to hear and the latter is going to determine just how much success he has in Arizona and that's because enabling the owner in football operations was his predecessor's biggest failure. The former GM should have told Michael Bidwell not to waste Cliff Kingsbury's time having to watch film with the owner. The former general manager should have rebuked Bidwell when the owner asked Kingsbury who he wanted to draft and for those who keeping score that that draft day question resulted in Andy Isabella. So if Austin Fort was smart enough to negotiate guardrails and boundaries, he has a chance. Because that's where his predecessor failed all of us. The previous GM should have been in charge and should have made it very, very clear how football operations work in a healthy organization. Now, the new guy also knows the importance of the head coach slash general manager chemistry dynamic and the new guy likely has a head coaching candidate he prefers. And if the announcement of that new head coach is Vance Joseph, it's going to tell you a lot about Austin Ford's power and where this whole thing is going in the coming years. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury affordable at two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. When Michael called yesterday and offered me a job, I, uh, I said, when can we get started? I'm, I'm extremely excited. Um, I've always, already had some good conversations this morning um, with, with some of the people here. I'm, I'm excited to have some more this evening. And I can't wait to get everybody on the same page with, with my vision and our vision and all of our visions of, of how we see this thing going forward. There's not a whole lot of ramp up from Monty Ford. It's press conference today. Coaching interviews started yesterday. You wonder, it was talked about yesterday, how much influence Monty Ford has on the decision. Obviously, Michael Bidwell talked about it being a collaborative effort on finding the next head coach. That's the next thing. That is the the, the next thing yep. on the checklist for the Arizona Cardinals. They want to strike pretty quickly. Uh, their list of candidates is growing. I agree with you. Um no slight to Vance Joseph. If if that's what comes out of this coaching search with a a net cast far and wide, yeah. I think there's going to be um, there's going to be gonna feeling, be underwhelming to people. It's going to be yeah, underwhelming to the be. fan base, no and it's going to be same old, same old. Yes. And, and then when you go deeper, as you did in the blast. It's going to show how much influence Michael Bidwell had on this. Yeah, the, uh, on this whole. There's process. no doubt about it. And again, um, I, I I do think that the, there is a level of involvement that we have to recognize. All owners in almost all sports, yes. particularly the NFL, are going to have, and and it's it just the way it is. But but at the same time, the smart ones understand. Okay, there's a limit to what I should be doing and how much I should be involved. And so this new general manager, I'm hoping Monty Ford again was smart enough to realize because he's been in the Patriots organization, he's been with the 
Titans. So he's got an idea now of how good operations uh, operate. So if he's a guy that just wanted this job more than anything and maybe felt his time was coming to an end in Tennessee and is saying all the right things and is just happy to be here, well, that's not going to be good. Because the way I look at Steve Kimes reign in Arizona, there was a guy that was really, especially towards the last few years, desperate to keep his job and and not necessarily. Well, let's just leave it at that. And so I think in the case of Monty Austin for it, the head coach is going to reveal a lot because my way of thinking during his interview, Michael Bidwill would not be doing his job as owner if he didn't say, who do you have in mind as a head coach? Mm-hmm. If Monty Austin Ford at that point in time says, well, you know, I was going to get to that. Uh, I'll let you know in a week. That's no bueno. Yeah, you're not going to hire that guy. So Monty Austin Ford, by my deduction, would surely have a name or a couple names in his back pocket of who he wants to hire. And I doubt he has any familiarity with Vance Joseph. I know he has no familiarity with Sean Payton. He said so yesterday. That was the one coaching candidate he was asked about, which I found interesting, and he did answer the question, and there wasn't much of an answer because there's not really, hey, he's a great coach, but we haven't crossed paths. The coaching candidate that he has extensive experience, working experience with, because they came up at the same time in the Patriots organization as Brian Flores. Mm -hmm. Question was not posed by anybody. About Brian Flores yeah. and, what, and what the connection no, is. And, and, you know, going back to your scenario, in that interview, Michael Bidwell says, who do you have as a head coaching candidate? Maybe that's where Brian Flores' name came from in this whole process. Maybe. Was from the discussion with Monty Austin. You know what? That's not a bad idea. Maybe. A little synergy between GM and exactly. coach going in. Yeah, and that that would now and that would make me feel good. So if Monty Austin Ford came in and said, "Michael, I got you, guy. I, I got exactly who you need here. You're telling me what your issues are, and I'm telling you what I see with my eyes. I've got the guy. His name is Brian Flores. You might know him. And and that, I'm hoping that's the way it goes. And again, with all due respect to Vance Joseph, anybody who's listened to this program consistently knows that I have been praising him for five months, mm-hmm. four months, whatever it's been. And, and so I've got nothing but good feelings for Vance Joseph. But but again, they need a complete, fresh start here. Complete. And and so that, to me, is going to be... So, so uh, a new GM who came in true to himself about what he believes in and how he's going to build this thing, he's going to determine who the new head coach is. It's not going to be dictated to him. Yes. Uh, here was uh, that snippet from the press conference yesterday with Monty Austin Ford on what he is looking for in the next head coach. Well, I think there's, I think there's a lot of important characteristics there. And I think the key is that we find the head coach that is right for this team. There's there's many ways of doing things, and I think finding a head coach that aligns with the way I see building a team, the way Michael sees building an organization. Um, and then I think there's a, the specifics in terms of, of leadership in developing players and coaches, in being a teacher of fundamentals, details, and techniques. Those are all things. And and this is not a this is not a we're trying to build a sustainable program here this is not a short term fix so we want a, a coach that sees the big picture and understands that we're not happy with just the results of 2023 we're building this for extended uh, extended championship teams as we move forward and that's the way it should be and the inclusion of uh, fundamentals, details, and techniques, that has to be music to Michael Bidwell's ears because fundamentals, details, and techniques were not exactly the strong yeah. suit of the 2022 no. Cardinals. In fact, they were one of the weak spots. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so I think wh- when you take a look at what this football team needs, and I, I think when the checklist before the names were even um, 
filled in here. It, you needed a GM from the outside with a strong backing. Monty Ford seems to check that box. His philosophy seems to be building offense and defensive lines first, and that is a welcome change um, to, to what we've experienced mm-hmm. here. That's a good way to kind of build a real good foundation of a football team. You can you can you can stay very competitive by being very competitive up front on both sides of the football. So so you've checked that box. Now I think we also know that this team needs a leader, right? A real leader at head coach. The leadership ability of the next head coach to me really does have to jump off the page or the screen or whatever. Let's hope everybody is in the same page on that. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th and you could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl plus win tickets to the FanDuel party, Bud Light Music Fest and the Super Bowl experience. Again, text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, we'll get deeper into that list of candidates for the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He wants to make the rounds before he makes any kind of a decision. Uh, you mentioned, though, that he was meeting with the Broncos today. Interestingly enough, I don't know, I find this interesting. Former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is actually in that interview with Sean Payton. She is uh, among the new Broncos ownership who will be making this hire. So she also in the inter- interview with Sean Payton. We'll see how that one goes. And then he will move to meet with Dave Tepper on Friday. Uh, that will be with the Carolina Panthers. And then he wants to take a step back and figure out exactly where he wants to be. We should point out that uh, Sean Payton has made clear to those around him that he is still comfortable not taking a coaching job, going back to his role as a Fox analyst if he doesn't feel like the fit there is right. So in some ways, he's interviewing these organizations just as they're interviewing him. That's Jeff Darlington from ESPN, the latest on the Sean Payton interviews. That from yesterday, again, another 50-second soundbite that did not have the words Arizona or Cardinals in them. Uh, We've heard that there's been uh, an agreement to interview nothing it's in terms over, of date <laughs> it's over johnny <laughs> nothing is over nothing <laughs> you think it's over i do um i'm starting to kind of creep over to to your part uh, of, of i hope you're right of the room but uh you know where there's smoke there's fire and there's been very little in terms of smoke with Sean Payton and the Arizona Cardinals uh, so we move down that list. We know Brian Flores is on that list. Brian Flores, if you're going to consider connection to a new general manager as a strength in landing this job with Arizona, Brian Flores has got to be the overwhelming favorite. You would think so. And then you ask yourself, is that important? Well, yeah, of course it's important because Monty Austin Ford said so yesterday. He said, we're going to have a unified message across the entire organization. And and that is obviously, you know, it's. I was a little surprised to hear that, that the relationship between Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime became strained last year. I, I was not expecting to hear that because I, I kind of thought everybody had always made the uh, the comparisons that, well, Cliff is tied to Kyler. Their futures are tied together. No, I always thought Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury's futures were tied together. Um, and in a way, they were. And in a way, yeah, and in a way, they were. And so I, I, I always struggle with that. But the idea, when you look at the great teams in football, look at the relationship that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have. 
It is elite. Look at John Schneider and Pete Carroll in Seattle. Same deal. That's what you got to have. You got to have two guys who are doing different jobs, but they subscribe to the same theory. Yeah. And they believe in the same thing. And those two gentlemen have already done that in different positions yes. with another organization that had a great success. Both guys bought deep into the Patriot way. Frank Reich is on the list now, mm-hmm. former Indianapolis head coach. And there were a lot of people that when Frank Reich got fired were like, wait, why is he the scapegoat for what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did they give him the right tools at quarterback? The Matt Ryan experiment failed miserably. Uh, he worked with retreads every single year he was in Indianapolis. They gave the job to, to Jeff Saturday. I am not, and I know people get turned off. Oh, he got fired by the Colts. Why would you want him? I'm not turned off by that fact when it comes to Frank Reich. I think no. if Frank Reich is yeah. the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, that's uh, that's a pretty good hire. Well, it, to me, I think one of the baseline things for me is is given um, the state of this team, given the state of the quarterback, somebody with experience, I think, is extremely necessary. Mm-hmm. And so, with all due respect to D'Amico Ryan and, and some of these other guys... And Jerry Vero. Ejero Averro. That's the Averro. Pre- I got to. I, I, every time I see it, I want to pronounce it a different way. Ejero Averro. Ejero Averro. Sorry, Vic. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm struggling with that one. You heard me flopping the update on that last one. I've been doing it all morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you know me, I hate mispronouncing names. Mm-hmm. Ain't that right, uh, Bike Lee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yes, no, you definitely do. But yeah, um, but he's one of those inexperienced guys. Yeah. One year as a coordinator. Yeah, and the shame, same with Shane Steichen, the guy out of Philadelphia who's getting a lot of uh, props and run for being their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think the Cardinals, it may, maybe I'm wrong about this, but the pattern, and you know this, the pendulum in sports is you hire a lax players coach. And you, you, when you fire him, you overcorrect and you bring in a taskmaster, a tyrannical, authoritative guy. Mm-hmm. When you fire a Buck Showalter, you need to liberate the clubhouse, so you bring in Bob Brenly. There's umpteen examples of uh-huh. it. You fire Steve Wilkes, you bring in Cliff Kingsbury. There you go. Well, so, you fire or Bruce Arians goes away, you bring in Steve Wilkes. Yeah, there's yeah, overcorrection right. in the history. Right. Yes. Back forth, back forth. So I, so I think this is this is partly that, but I also think the Cardinals are thinking maybe defensive minded guy at head coach is the way to go because we need to, the def- the head coach is going to have to lay down the law and the discipline and the accountability, and so you need to have some separation between him and and the quarterback. The offensive co- uh, offensive coordinator is going to be a big deal here. If you could go full on Patriot and bring in Brian Flores and then Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator. You could sign me up for that today. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against that either. But again, this offensive piece is very important, and this is why I love the idea of Sean Payton so much, is because Sean Payton would come in and give you all the discipline and accountability and immediate respect that he commands for being an impact coach. He would bring all of that, which you need desperately, but he would also carry the key to, to unlocking Kyler Murray. Now, so who else has that key? I don't know. But you better find somebody, because it's not just about making Kyler Murray care about his teammates and communicate better and get out of his cocoon in Texas and come and rehab and train with his teammates and be around. It's more than that. It's about creating an offense geared to what he does well. Because the offense they've run for the last four years, I got news for you. It ain't it! 28 to 5! So are you suggesting the Cardinals devise an offense that's really good against college teams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm just I'm saying. I'm just you, yeah, no, you know what I mean. You you need you this this thing was so predictable and broken by the end of last year. It was just crazy. 
So, um, yeah. So, again, for, for as first steps go, the new GM checks enough boxes for me to go, good, good job. You went outside. You, you got out of your comfort zone. You went and you interviewed some people and you found somebody with pedigree who said some things that really resonated with you. Good job. That's a good job. Yes. Now, finish it. Recognize what you need in the head coach, and then, as the owner, recognize what the team needs from you, and on occasion, what it doesn't yes. need from you. And on the, the last thing before we move on, on the Brian Flores front too, I would I would hope. Look, there's familiarity. Uh, those two guys from Flores and Austin Ford have worked together. But I would hope, too, that in a position of power, Monty Austin Ford just doesn't lean on, lean on that. Hey, I'm familiar with this guy. Let's go down this road. If truly he feels in this interview process that there's somebody better for the job. Yeah. Again, he must have had a couple of names in his back yes. pocket because I know Michael Bidwell would have had to ask him, okay, who, who, who do you think would be the perfect head coach for what you know about our organization? Mm-hmm. He would have to have that answer. Yeah. And as a GM, he would you would want him to have it. And so whoever that guy is, I hope that guy becomes head coach. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm right there with you. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the Phoenix Suns are floundering. We're getting closer to the trade deadline. What can we expect, if anything, from the Suns front office? We'll talk to Brian Windhorst, NBA insider from ESPN, about it next. Typically a Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Octane Community Studios on this Wednesday, a day away from the visit from the uh, Brooklyn Nets to Footprint Center to take on the reeling Phoenix Suns. And here to talk Suns basketball, NBA, some trade activity with us from ESPN. Their NBA insider Brian Windhorst joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot made about this Jay Crowder situation. I know you've had intel on it. You've reported on it, too. Uh, you know, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen for the Phoenix Suns holding up any potential deals. It is very likely that um, Matt Ishbia's finalization of becoming the owner of the Suns won't happen before the NBA trade deadline. My question to you is, uh, if that indeed happens, how big of a fail would it be on the Suns uh, uh, on the Suns plate if they've got to buy Jay Crowder out after the trade deadline? No, he's going to get traded, guys. He's going to get traded. Um, uh, and, and I think even if Ishbia isn't 100% um, affirmed and approved, I think the Ishbia transition is already kind of starting happen. Um, he's going to complete the, it looks like he's going to complete the transaction. And the way that I know this is that Robert Sarver has allowed him to come in and meet with his people. And I think there's more meeting scheduled. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him at a Suns game soon. And that doesn't happen unless they think the transaction is going to close. And so I actually think the calming times are coming for the Suns. I'm not denying this is very turbulent, very unusual, and the Crowder trade is a symptom of everything that's going on. But I think better times are ahead. Um, And 
it'll 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 get done. Jay Crowder's going to get traded. Now, whether there's a trade that can meaningfully help the team, that's a different discussion. We'll see what they're able to pull off. But um, they've been talking for months about this. It, it, they've been working on their options. It's going to get done. All right. Well, that's very reassuring, and, and I'm glad to hear that, Brian. I think a lot of Suns fans will be. There's been a disconnect here because James Jones has kind of evaded slipperily uh, and and with some elusiveness, kind of evaded the whole is Robert Sarver holding you back from making any deals and we've seen this team with open roster spots under man dealing with injuries falling apart um how did it get to that point why did why was robert sarver able to enact that kind of language in the sale of the team yeah it's a good question guys i mean i don't know the direct answer to that question okay um i've seen the document that the nba lawyer the lead nba lawyer uh rick buchanan who has been there for decades and is one of the most powerful people in the NBA. I saw the document that was sent from him to uh, the, the, the general counsel for the Phoenix Suns the day the suspension was announced. I don't know how that document was generated, but I guess is that it didn't get generated in one day. <laughs> that it, there was, you know, my guess. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Are we underlining guess? I don't know. Um, is that there was negotiation. Um, about the terms of the suspension. But also, in a vacuum, you can kind of understand that. This wasn't just a suspension. This was a suspension where Robert Sarver was knew that there was a possibility he might sell the team. He didn't just come to the terms that he was going to sell the team the day he announced it. My guess, and again, I'm going to underline this because I know that what I say is going to get pulled to pieces here. <laughs> so, okay. My guess is that he, when the, when the terms of the suspension were being put together, he knew he had to protect himself. And that, and to be honest with you, that's not an unreasonable thing for him to have. He was not being kicked out of the end NBA. He was being suspended for a year and very, you know, there was a chance he could come back after a year and he didn't, you know, he didn't want while he was not able to control things to all of a sudden the team be changed over. So it's an unusual thing. It was a thing that was definitely kept quiet. You know, I say it's unusual. I mean that, you know, it's unusual for some, for an owner to be suspended, right? So it's, it's a one-off rule that was created. Um, but it's an understandable rule. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's so much scar tissue between the Suns fans and Robert Sarver that it just sort of inflamed the situation. Brian Windhorst, NBA insider from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line on Bickley and Murata mornings. Going back to the Jay Crowder situation, you said unequivocally he will be traded. As you look Probably, at it right yeah. now, uh, you know what? What's a realistic return in your in your mind for Jay Crowder, and 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 what can they get to help this push if it's indeed a push? Because we know which way they're going in the in the standings right now, Brian. Well, so this is the problem. The problem is if you have a player like Jay Crowder and you're trading him, you need to replace him. Okay, and so the, but the the teams who want to trade for Jay Crowder. They're looking to try to get Jay Crowder, so they don't have a player like that. And so, as a result, a lot of these discussions have been three-team trades, okay? And so, um, and I always say a three-team trade is a no-team trade, because obviously they happen, but I'm telling you, it's like, 
one-tenth of one percent of the three-team trades that get discussed. If you hear a trade rumor and it's a three-team trade, instantaneously I'm not interested. And if it's a four-team trade, I don't even let you finish this sentence, okay? I mean, obviously they happen, but the point is this is difficult. So the Suns are not able to get back an exactly comparable player. And also you have the complication that the Suns, have a, a salary cap management issue. Not that they have a spending issue, but they have to decide whether or not they're going to be a salary cap space team next summer because they can go a couple of different ways. They can keep Chris Paul, they can extend Cam Johnson, mm-hmm. and they can be an over-the-cap team. Or, excuse me, they can move on from Chris Paul, they can move on from Cam Johnson, and they can go hunt in with salary cap space. Now, I don't think that's likely, but let's just be honest. That's the thing. So if you're going to trade Jay Crowder, you're trading him. you got to consider, am I, are we trading him for a guy who's got years on his contract? Or are we trading him for a guy who we want to have or two players that are, are ending their contracts so that we still have our flexibility? And if we don't know who our owner is and we don't know what our owner's position is on signing Cameron Johnson on whether or not to keep Chris Paul in that contract on whether or not to um, spend more money. How do we do it? And then, so it's not just a matter of Sarver having review over the trades. It's a fundamental discussion about the future of the organization. So that's what makes it difficult. Having said all that, the, the, the trade packages that I've heard discussed for, for, uh, for, um, for Jay uh, involve in a lot of cases, multiple players, multiple players that make less money and also potentially to be other Suns players involved. Um, you guys have been through this for months. It's not new to you. But um, I expect a trade that is a multiplayer trade because the Suns have a lot of different complex needs. And it's look, I promise you, James and his team have fully vetted the market. They've been trying it for months now. You're so right about the scar tissue in this market. You know better than anybody what what we have been through collectively over the past 15 or so years. My question is this. We watched the end of that Pelican series last year when Chris Paul played almost the perfect basketball game, and it looked like he was headed towards a championship and playoff MVP and all that. And the day he turned 37, everything seemed to change for him just coincidentally, and he hasn't been back to that level. So I guess what I'm asking, if, if you were objectively looking at this basketball, team what do you think about its current window of opportunity yeah i gotta say i was in new orleans that night i was in the i was in the in the interview room where chris, what was chris 16 or 16 or yep. 14 i don't even remember 14 what it was. for 14 yeah and everybody was wearing the 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 jay crowder shirts like <laughs> in mocking and uh-huh. you know jay was all happy and chris was like nowhere in my in my wildest dreams that i think we would be where we're at right now i i think that anybody would agree with that okay so uh, it's been an incredible series of events i think if you were looking at the Suns on a dashboard, there's a lot that they got going for them, okay? They have got a superstar franchise player signed to a long-term contract. That's number one. They have got multiple young two-way wing players who defend. This is the most desirable spot in the league, and if you're going to get a franchise player, you need those types of guys. They have that. They have a franchise center. Now, there's Issues there and scar tissue there. And I know that on Tuesday you may love him and on Thursday you may curse him, but he has value as a player. And we know he has value as a player because another team tried to sign him away for the max, okay? So they have a very good coach, okay? And I am optimistic about 
uh, Matt Ishbia as an owner. I think, you know, he has been preparing for a long time. I do think when you get a new owner, there's inherent mistakes that will be made. But he has, from what I understand, he has done a lot of groundwork. And he has been hiring people to help him that I impress with. I am impressed with who he's hired without getting into, into details. I have higher hopes for him as an incoming owner than I did for the team remaining for Robert Sarver. Also, I will tell you that they were 15 and six, as you guys know, yes. through the, through mid or the end of November or whenever it was, that team is still there. Now you can come back to me and say, well, Aiton is not consistent. He, you know, in his commitment to the team is questionable because of what well, happened. True. Chris Paul, ever since he had that leg injury, I don't even 100% know. They said it was a heel. I'm not sure. Ever since he had that leg injury, he's not been the same player, and I would say that's true. Uh, you could say they are now you know, under 500 and losing games fast. That's true. There are some red dots on the dashboard, but they have a lot going for them. And the league was happy when the Suns were a dead zone. Because Phoenix is a desirable market that you can get free agents to. People want to be in Phoenix. It is a vibrant place that should be a vibrant NBA team. It was a vibrant NBA team for decades until they went to hibernation. And now they are back. And I see no reason why they will not remain relevant for the foreseeable future. Now, obviously it was disappointing the way last season ended. And what we've got right now is obviously been a very difficult time. But I'm telling you, I like where the team is headed. I think all of their goals are still in front of them. And Chris Paul's got to be healthier. He's got to play better. We know this. Devin has got to be healthier. If if there's not, it doesn't matter. But none of their goals are off the table. And they're going to have a new owner by the end of February, almost certainly. You might have some new players. And hopefully he got health. In the grand scheme of the last decade, as being a Suns fan, I still think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Brian, thanks so much for the uh, time and the insight. Always appreciate you coming on the show. Have a good day. Thanks, Brian Windhorst, NBA insider from ESPN, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. I think maybe some Suns fans feel a little bit better about hearing that. Yeah, that was was good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A little reassuring out there at the end. Yeah. Uh, Coming up next, you don't know this, but today is a very significant (laughs) silver anniversary. Oh, boy. (gasps) Oh. We'll fill you in on it next. <laughs> a silver fox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's silver all over the place. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jared Carlin taking you up until 10 o'clock. Yes, it is a uh, a silver anniversary Yeah, that you didn't know of when I you woke up this morning. I did not know about it. No. But once again, our uh, friends at uh, Arizona Sports History, at AZ Sports History on Twitter, Jared saw this and was like, he was so excited during a commercial break, he actually called you Dan. Dan! <laughs> <laughs> One eighteen ninety eight. Now co-host of the Bickley and Murata show on Arizona Sports ninety eight seven. Dan Bickley hired January third nineteen ninety eight. The Valley's most provocative, insightful, and entertaining columnist published his first column with the Arizona Republic entitled "Chicago's Nearing the Bust: Valley's Closing In on Best." 
And here we are 25 years later. And we're still waiting. Well, we're, we're waiting. waiting. And yeah. I, I went back and I clipped wow. it from newspapers.com, and this was indeed in, in the Sunday paper. <gasps> which, by the way, shows you what's changed in, uh, in 25 years. The Sunday edition of the Arizona Republic on January 18th, 1998 was 332 pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Man. What do you remember Boy, about Boy, has that changed? What do you remember about that column? Uh okay, I remember um as an introductory column I had done a lot about a lot of research on on Arizona as a market. So I I remember I remember kind of riffing on on the Cardinals a little bit. Um, I remember I remember beginning with an anecdote about me when I covered Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to him in a locker room uh, when he played baseball for the White Sox, and I heard he was playing pickup basketball with some of his new baseball teammates. And I thought, okay, as somebody who played a ton of pickup basketball, I'm like, I'm going to ask Michael if I can get in one of his games. And if I could, can you imagine the story that would be? So I went up and I asked Michael, hey, Mike, you know, and I was really – and I had kind of gotten a little friendly with him at that point in time. He heard my request, and he looked at me with a look. He had never given me it was utter contempt and he looked at me and he said you can't play and so i use that anecdote to pr- to prove that i have been insulted by the very best so <laughs> all the insults that will be coming my way in the next 25 years mm. you got nothing on michael jordan that's yeah. basically the point i was trying to make and i remember i remember my previous boss um, said, hey, you know, loved your introductory column in the Arizona Rep- Republic, but you shared that anecdote in your intro- introductory column here. I said, yeah, and what's your point? When when the Eagles or ACDC goes on tour, they play the same set list everywhere they go. <laughs> They're playing the hits. Why wouldn't I? It's a great point. I, I remember, um, I remember uh, being over the moon uh, at getting the job because I was here in 93 covering the NBA Finals, and I got back home to Chicago, and my wife at that point point in time, but she wasn't my wife at the time, but she said, do you think we could ever move to Arizona? And I'm like, oh, heck no. They've got two pro sports done. No way. And then five years later, it was actually coming true. My first assignment was the uh, Phoenix Open. And I remember laughing to myself because I knew nothing about golf. Um, Where I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and anybody who's from the south side of Chicago will be nodding their head in agreement, um, golf was considered a soft sport for rich people. That's what it was considered. Um, it, it's a very, very horrible stereotype, and it's it's not accurate at all. But that's what I grew up in, and so my, I'm like, oh great, my first assignment in my new career is going to be about a sport I know nothing about. So I quite literally moved out here and spent three days just prepping, learning everything about Tom Layman and at, at all the local Billy Mayfair, all the local golfers. You didn't and, have to learn about the legend of the 16th hole because it wasn't legendary no, but, but I'll tell you what, I, I, we, I had a family member, an extended family member who lived out here and he, and he gave me a bit of advice. He said, go spend Saturday at the 16th hole. And I'm like, why? He's like, just do it. And I did it, and I'm like... Wasn't that the year that Tiger hit the hole-in-one? No, that, that, that was, was the year before. That was oh. the year before. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if that, that was your first experience ever. Yeah, how about that? And that was a big event in the growth of the 16th hole, was that was that hole-in-one. Yeah. From a guy who's not known for playing in that, in that particular I, tournament. I ran into um, Steve Jones. He's a former PGA golfer who lives in town here. I ran into him at a golf tournament, and, and I reminded him how he just smoked the field in 97, won by like 11 strokes, just 
blew apart the field. And he said, yeah, you know what? Nobody remembers. All they remember from 97 was that was the tournament yep. when Tiger Woods hit a hole in one. He told me the story that somebody came up to him and said, hey, where were you in 97 when Tiger made the hole in one? And he's like, uh... I won the tournament. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, yeah, my. I was the guy oh, holding the trophy. Yeah. Right. So did you, oh, see, did you get to meet? Check. So did you get to meet Tiger? That's wow. That's yeah. I, yeah. right. And so this is twenty-five years I later. Can't believe it. Yeah, like I said, I had no idea. I had no. I, I mean, it's obviously a fact. That's when my first column was published here. Yes, but I had no idea that was actually a thing until I went to Chicago and I looked it up again, and I found that I had already clipped it from newspapers.com. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here, here it is. Yeah, and now Chicago and Phoenix sports are the bust. Are the bust. It, it was uh, on the front page of the sports section. Continued on C thirteen, right next to an ED ad. <laughs> so, well, no, something's never changed. changed yeah, the, the, you rang. The company was ninety four percent effective, according to their ad. Too ninety four percent. And you've written thousands of columns yeah. since then, yeah. and now write exclusively for ArizonaSports.com. The question I have for you: uh-huh. the column in your Phoenix career. That has drawn the most ire. Oh, man. Do you have one that comes to mind? Dan Bickley, this is your life. We're going to talk to your son the most English ire. teacher in the next segment. <laughs> I, 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 I can't answer that definitively. There's no shortage of ones to choose from. But I would say the, the one that I kept hammering home every year on tournament time when it's okay for the Valley to cheer for the oh, Wildcats, yeah. that never, ever went over good. Yeah, that Still always, doesn't. That always drew the most ire from me. <laughs> that, never, <laughs> that first comment yeah, on each, right? each column was right? mini. Right? <laughs> 25 freaking years. Congratulations, oh, man. thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Here's you. to 25 more. Yeah, how about doesn't it, that, right? Doesn't that sound peaceful yeah. and restful? Absolutely. 25 more. I'm getting Get yelled at by internet strangers. Write uh-huh. something, Bickley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh, screenshot man. these, and I'm going to put them out on Twitter. Do you think that's okay? Sure, that, go ahead. That, have fun with it, man. Does that violate any copyright I stuff? I don't think so. No? They're my words. I wrote them. That's true. Yeah, all right. I got your permission. Who yeah, else cares? Right, exactly. <laughs> Social Studies with Sarah Gazelle is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.